Welcome to the Shepherd's Crick Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our king, Jesus. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well this morning. If you're not listening in the morning time, well then I hope you're having a great afternoon or, or whenever. A couple announcements before we get started, and then we're, we're going to talk about the 4th of July, and we're going to talk about egalitarianism. But I want to tell you about the new intro. This is the first intro uh, change in five years. We podcast has been going about five years now, and I, be, I just began to think about what the content has become, and I thought I would just repackage it into a new intro. And it also worked out in the timeline of, of putting a new intro together with the Sons and Slaves podcast that we have up and running now with my boys, Ransom and Valor. So if you don't know, we have a new podcast that we just launched and it's myself and then my two boys that are the hosts and then one day when our next son is old enough to jump on with us he'll be on there as well and the idea is that God has just kind of built this family to be helpers of people we want to honor the Lord and help people and so the lessons we're learning in God's word or in life we just want to pass along with our church family and then with you as well for those that are outside of our church family and the Sons and Slaves podcast is already on iTunes. You can find it in other places as well. If you want to support that show, that goes directly to my sons. It just kind of builds them a savings account, and eventually they're going to end up opening an IRA. We're going to open them a Roth IRA. But for now, you can just support that show, that channel. And also, that's kind of in step with the new way that you can support the Shepherd's Crook by way of membership. If you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook for $5 a month, you can get access to a newsletter that's going to come to your mailbox at the beginning of every month with a wax seal and everything on it. And then you're going to get access at the end of the year to a thumb drive of all the content. I want to give you ownership over access. And so if you want to be in part of that, you can give to uh, the PayPal or you can message me and I can give you my address and you can send a check if you would like to do that. That's preferable. Good old-fashioned check. And so you can get actually something in your mailbox and and you can get ownership over some content. That's what I want for you. So those are kind of the announcements that we got going on. Uh, the new intro that you just heard has kind of got a Walker, Texas Ranger feel to it. Hope you guys enjoyed that. It was fun putting that together. And it was fun putting the Sons and Slaves intro together as well. That, that came together pretty nicely as well. But we're excited about all that God's doing and that's uh, a lot of exciting things. A lot of exciting things happening with our church and our family and as a whole. Just some good things happening. And let's go ahead and pray, and we'll, we'll switch gears here, and we'll talk about Independence Day, and then we'll talk about egalitarianism. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. Ask for a blessing upon it. Holy Spirit, work over the next few minutes. If there's anybody in there that's been walking in this egalitarian mindset and, and theological position, God, I pray that it would be changed. I pray that their position would change, that they would repent of it, because it's been wrong and sinful. It's not just been a mistake. It's not just been an error. It's been a violation of your word and sin against you. And those that are in the complementarian camp that have been walking in kind of a uh, uh, an apologetic posture towards how you have created the man and the woman, I pray they would repent also and that you'd walk and help them walk in a more faithful and biblical manner. Lord, lead this time. I trust you will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Tomorrow is the 4th of July, which means it's my son's birthday. Ransom turns nine tomorrow. Pretty exciting. We do an obstacle course every single year. When our sons turn five, they get an obstacle course. And this year, pretty excited because at the end of the obstacle course, we actually bought him a go-kart. So he's going to be, be able to end the whole thing and get to the go-kart. Pretty exciting. And uh, 4th of July for us has really taken on a lot of, of great meaning just because it's our son's birthday. And we want to focus on that. 
But simultaneously, obviously, it is Independence Day. And I want to think through, help you think through Independence Day really in two parts because we, we want to celebrate what has happened in our nation, but also we want to lament and long for what's coming in our nation. And the celebration is the fact that tyranny was pushed against. From the beginning of our the founding of our country, the 13 colonies pushed back against unfair taxes and uh, unlawful taxes that were given to us, handed down, and imposed upon us by the tyrants in Great Britain. And we rightly opposed tyranny, and to honor the Lord often means to resist tyranny. Those that are in authority over us are servants of God, and when they are celebrating that which is evil and promoting it and and suppressing that which is good and, and suppressing it, then we are to stand against that and we are to defy tyrants. And that's what they did. They stood against and, and that was lawful and it was godly and it was right. And we fought for our independence by way of the, the Black Robe Regiment, who who a lot of people in Great Britain called the, the whole revolution re- revolutionary movement, which is not really a revolution. In fact, there's a great book that Doug Wilson often references that I'm about to dive into that dives into the difference between the godless revolution of, of France and the uh, God-filled revolution of the American uh, Revolution and the motive behind those two things being completely different. But the motives were pure and right and according to God's law and we want to celebrate all that God did in our country as our country was established. We want to celebrate that. But there is an irony as we go to the 4th of July and we shoot off fireworks celebrating the fact that we are supposedly a, a free nation because... Our nation has been lost, and we are not a free nation as originally defined anymore, where the government has so much red tape, there are so many taxes given to us, and really since Lincoln forward, we have lost our nation. Now, you might say, wait a minute, Jared, okay, I've not dove into history like that, but you said Lincoln forward, and Lincoln is supposed to be this great American hero and all of this, and certainly God did some good things through uh, him, and uh, thankfully and Praise God that slavery was eventually abolished, but there was some really dark things that happened in our nation during that time, and independence really was lost by way of Lincoln. It was the great, uh, you know, basically the British ideals won out in the war between the states uh, because we were never intended to be an indivisible union. We say in our Pledge of Allegiance every single time that we are an indivisible nation, and that is not how we were established. We were established as a voluntary union, not a forced union. And during the war between the states, with the tariffs handed down from the north, and if you don't understand the war between the states, in large part it was started not because of slavery, but because of tariffs. And basically the divides that we see in our country today are micro of the macro that was the tension between the North and the South. And what I mean by that, say in my state, the state of Illinois, we have this tension between Chicago and the rest of the state. We have a few blue counties and we have a whole red state. It's There's a political divide, there's a liberal conservative divide, and it is plain and clear. And what we have is the, the tyranny of Chicago over the state. And if you think about then, you, you know, 150, 170 years ago, what we had was the tyranny of the North over the South when it came to policies and everything that was going on within the state. So when tariffs are handed down to the South when it comes to trade and the South is getting a shaft and not getting to establish their own laws state by state and the federal government is trying to do more and more and trying to establish more and more tentacles down into the states, the states are saying, well, wait a minute, what are you doing here? And I'm trying to make this uh, as simple as I possibly can, but there's a whole life. If you're interested in in learning more about Lincoln, by the way, just read The Real Lincoln, put that in Amazon or anywhere else, and you can find that phenomenal book. But the Forest Union, Lincoln never recognized that there was a truth to the fact that the states were in this union voluntarily, not involuntarily. 
Lincoln, or excuse me, Washington would have fought for the South as a Virginian. He would have fought for his nation, which he, in his mind, would have been Virginia. And this is what brought Lee back to fight for the South in in the war between the states as well, because he, although he didn't believe that there was, uh, that there, he actually actually didn't believe that the South had the right to do this. He would not fight against his fellow Virginians. He had a, uh, so practically speaking, he had a loyalty to his state. And so from that point on, what's happened is the federal government has begun, begun bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and gotten more and more and more power to the point we are today to where about 50 cents on every dollar that Americans make, we are taxed on. Nobody owns their property because of the property taxes, which have been established very early on in this country, even with the colonies. And um, so it's all grown and grown and grown to the point we are to where we are today. We're all buying fireworks and selling, celebrating freedom, but we are still under the thumb of tyrants that are doing their tyranny in a larger degree than Great Britain was over the colonies. And it makes me long for the day, 4th of July, makes me long for the day where the reign of Christ brings more and more freedom, and we actually get freedom from things like property taxes. We own this place, and in time, the reign of Christ, uh, culminating with the return of Christ, will rightly return all of the earth to the people of God, and we will reign and rule with Christ. And we will not be paying property taxes. Praise the Lord, right? Can anybody just say, just pause and say, God, thank you. If you live in a state like mine, if you live in other states and you're not paying out the wazoo for your property taxes, you probably don't know what I'm talking about here. But we won't be paying 50 cents on every dollar. Praise the Lord. And so we are longing for the return of Christ. So think about that in uh, this Independence Day, whatever your eschatology is. We all believe that the reign of, reign of Christ will end up culminating with the new heavens and the new earth and no uh, and the the return of of Eden like Eden like power and dominion given to the people of God over the earth and praise the Lord we long for that day. Okay, now let's talk about how egalitarianism caused transgenderism. Now I already did a response to Jason Farley, I don't know six months ago or so now, where I said Presbyterianism caused egalitarianism, and now I just figured we'd go ahead and go with that theme and just say uh, also egalitarianism caused transgenderism. All right? So what, what do I mean by that? Egalitarianism. Now, the first egalitarian groups really just showed up on the scene, I kid you not, in the 1980s. They were formalized anyways in the 1980s. Two examples of that. In 1984, not in 1884, but in 1984, men, women, and God was established in the United Kingdom. In 1987, the Christians for Biblical Equality was established. And after that, I believe it was right after that, the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood was established in response to that, which was uh, the Council of, uh, which is the uh, the complementarian position, which sought to uh, to respond to egalitarianism inside of sort of like a, a midway point between patriarchy and feminism. Now. You think about this movement, and you think about how new it is. It's such a new movement. We're talking about organizations that were first established in the 80s, after I was born. 1984 was a year after I was born, and that was the first big wave movement where egalitarianism was actually trying to establish themselves as a legitimate position and movement within Christianity. And it, it's kind of comical that it's such a, a new position because in the history of the church, there's been such a unified, unified uh, voice. And down through the history of the world, just through common law, every society has recognized that there are differences between men and women. And if you just stop and, and just pause for a second and think about how absurd the argument is, it's pretty mind-blowing that people are trying to establish this in a scholarly way or a theological manner that's in, in such a way that's going to impact individuals and churches in the way it has. And people buy into this ideology. They buy into this false theology. 
this false teaching and it they get a listening ear and you wonder how in the world have we got to this point where where people are actually arguing that men and women are the same not just that they're created in the image of God and they're equal before God but they're actually same the same in their roles and their in their function if you just look at two different tools okay if you look at a tool like two different tools you'll say okay the way they're the same is they're a tool they're both tools and they are used for their purpose but to say they're the same tool would be absurd Take a hammer and a screwdriver, both really popular tools that are used often, and you recognize the fact that they're both tools and they're both very, very useful, and you might have the argument what is more useful, but when it comes to manhood and womanhood, we're not talking about what's more useful because we're talking about creating the image of God, and they're fully equal when it comes to their created value, but unique in design, and that's what we see with a tool. There's a unique design for a hammer and a unique design for a screwdriver. And it would be totally absurd to come out with a statement or to come out with an organization to say that the hammer and the screwdriver are the same. They're the same thing. And they're for the same function and the same purpose because they're designed for the purpose in, in which they're intended for. A hammer is designed for a particular thing. A screwdriver is designed for a particular thing. And if you try to use a hammer, uh, you know, a hammer to, to try, you know, to, to unscrew a, a Phillips head screw, you're not going to get very far. If you try to take a hammer, uh, a screwdriver to drive in, a, you know, a 16 penny nail, you're not going to get very far with that. <laughs> so it's absurd. When you look at a man and you look at a woman, it is absolutely clear apart from the scriptures, the, the special revelation we have, that they are designed for different things. They're built for different purposes. They are fitted for different actions and different work, different kinds of work. Both are fitted and designed to be able to work. We're both made to be able to procreate the man doing his part, the woman doing her part, and her doing what she can only do, which is to uh, can, uh, to have a baby, and him doing what only he can do, which is provide the sperm for the egg, this is how God has made us, and it's easy to see. But egalitarians, which is the whole idea and concept, is rooted in the soil of feminism. We all know this. It has come to the point where people in a first world society have said, oh, maybe this is a good idea. Men and women can do the exact same things. Yeah, women can preach just like men, and it all is about what women can do. Nobody's out there arguing until the, the point where we are today where people are arguing that men can have babies. This is the outflow of the working of egalitarianism in society. You don't understand that. Like before people were saying that men can have babies and men can menstruate, they were saying that women can preach, that women can be pastors, that women can do the things that God has called only men to do. The natural step in progression of thought is then to think, well, why can't men then do what women are created to do? So let's backtrack a little bit. Feminism, gets its root, gets going in the late 1800s, and then really gained steam in the 1900s. And there were several factors that played into this, and the men having to leave for war, and the women being left behind for uh, and at the churches, the pastors being there, but having to cater all their, their work and ministry and their church to the ladies. We all kind of thought through, especially in our uh, tribe and our you know podcast that we all listen to, we've thought through the havoc and the roots of feminism. You probably listened to those uh, three-part series from the Sheologians that do a really good job of first, second, third, fourth wave feminism. They do a phenomenal job of breaking that down. But we think about how that gained traction within the church. And the reason it gained traction within the church is because the pastors. Why is egalitarianism what it is today? Because of the pastors, the men pastors that were weak men. They were not theologically grounded and they wanted the praise of people. They didn't want to offend the women. 
That's why egalitarianism is what it is today. The reason we're talking about at a society level, the reason we're talking about men having babies and men going in women's locker rooms is because back in the day, there were pastors that were saying, yeah, women can be elders. It's a flow of thought that connects the dots from the church to the society. As Herman Melville said, and somebody on Gab posted this, the pulpit drives the church or drives the, drives the, drives the world, drives the culture, something to that effect, whatever's being preached in the pulpit downstream from that. Eventually, it has effect in the world and in your, in, in your society. And what we see today is the cultural rot of, of liberalism. It's the cultural rot of theological liberalism. So weak men allowed feminism in egalitarianism to take root in churches. And Acts chapter 20 calls them wolves. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 to 30. Just listen to this. Pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. Among you. He's talking to the elders at Ephesus. From among you, there's going to be fierce wolves. They're not going to spare the flock. Fierce wolves will come from among you. From your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Twisted things. Fierce wolves to draw the disciples after them. Feminism takes root, begins to grow and grow and grow and grow to the point where in our American world, we don't know the difference between men and women. We're starting to say things like, yeah, women can be pastors. And there's from the Quakers to uh, in the late 1850s, all the movements that started then, there began to be waves of people saying, yes, that the ladies can do these roles and fulfill these roles kind of thing. But the Bible calls these men false teachers, wolves. The Bible is so unbelievably clear on this that you, you hardly even have to make a case. In the beginning, God created male and female uh, man and woman, and he made mankind male and female after the image of God. And to argue otherwise that we're all that the man and the woman were created just for the same is absurd. It's an argument of absurdity. Now it matters because we're in this crisis we are today, and it matters uh, to talk about this because pastors need to see their error. They need to stop apologizing for what the Bible teaches about manhood and womanhood. We need to take the kid gloves off and not worry about offending people uh, within the church or offending other Christians. And we need to call Christians out of egalitarianism. We need to call complementarians out of an apologetic position about male and female roles within the scriptures and within society and the world. We need to say what God has to say. And this is one area where I think pastors have just crumbled. And they've, it, they, they were apologizing about this and apologizing to women before they started ap- apologizing to sodomites. They were apologizing to women before they started apologizing to the trans community, how we've been treating them. And the trans agenda is what it is because of feminism, because of egalitarianism, and because all the way back to the weak men who enabled all of it to happen. Egalitarians have nothing to say to men as men and women as women. And if you're a friend of mine listening, there's I know I have friends that actually have recently come out of the egalitarian movement. And if you're anybody listening to this and you're in, in this idea or you're questioning uh, you know, what Bible teaches about manhood and womanhood, stop it. Stop doing that. It's foolish. And I, I don't I want to speak to you strongly and clearly. Stop doing that. And embrace what God has done and what God has showed us in his word, that God has created men for certain things and prohibited us from certain things and limited us from certain things. And God has made women for certain things. He has prohibited women for certain things and he has limited women from certain things. And this is glorious and it is good. 
If you don't embrace what the Bible teaches, you have nothing to say against sodomite marriage. You have so-called marriage. You have nothing to say against the trans idea. If we're all the same, why does it matter? If we're all the same, why can't a boy match with his body what his mind is telling him? Why can't a girl match with her body what her mind is telling her? Why can't two dudes get married? Why can't two women be married if we're all the same? And you see how the logical progression gets us to where we are today. So repent of that nonsense. Uh, Turn to the scriptures and see the beauty of how God has built us and made us as men and women. Embrace it and love it. And watch God work. There's a glory there when men are men and women are women. We have a church full of them, of men that are real men and women that are real women and that aren't ashamed of it. And we're raising real boys and we're raising real girls. And it's an awesome thing. We're excited about it. Guys, thanks so much. Uh, Please consider leaving a rating or review. And please subscribe. If you want to be a member, reach out to me. I can give you my address so you can send that check. And if you uh, want, please jump over and sign up for subscribe to the Sons and Slaves podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. And want to thank you guys for continuing to come back. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day.